As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello friends, I'm Rick Warren and welcome to Spurgeon's Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped and guided by Charles Spurgeon who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. The Dream of Pilate's Wife, a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, part three. When he was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verse 19. Thus, I argue that providence is always co-working with the grace of God. A great writer, who knows but little about divine things, yet nevertheless tells us he perceives a power in the world which works for righteousness. Exactly so. It is well spoken, for this is the chief of all powers. When you and I go out to warn men and women of sin, we are not alone. All providence is at our back. When we preach Christ crucified, we are workers together with God. God is working with us as well as by us. Everything that happens is driving towards the end for which we work when we seek to convince men of sin and of righteousness. Where the Spirit of God is, All the forces of nature and providence are mustered. The fall of empires, the death of despots, the uprise of nations, the making or breaking of treaties, terrific wars and blighting famines are all working out the grand end. Yea, and domestic matters, such as the death of children, the sickness of wives, the loss of work, The poverty of the family and a thousand other things are working, working, ever working for the improvement of men. And you and I, lending our poor feebleness to cooperate with God, are marching with all the forces of the universe. Have comfort then in this. O workers for Jesus, suffering many things for him, be of good courage for the stars in their courses fight for the servants of the living God, and the stones of the field are in league with you. Secondly, I gather from this story the accessibility of conscience to God. 
how are we to reach Pilate? How are we to give him warning? He has rejected the voice of Jesus and the sight of Jesus. Could not Peter be fetched to expostulate with him? Alas, he has denied his master. Could not John be brought in? Even he has forsaken the Lord. Where shall a messenger be found? Shall it be found in a dream? God can get at people's hearts, however hardened they may be. Never give them up. Never despair of arousing them. If my ministry, your ministry, and the ministry of the blessed book should all seem to be nothing, God can reach the conscience by a dream. If the sword cometh not at them at close quarters, yet what seems but a stray arrow from a bow drawn at a venture shall find out the joints in their harness. We ought to believe in God about wicked men and never say of them it is impossible that they should be converted. The Lord can wound Leviathan, for his weapons are many and they are suited to the foe. I do not think a dream would operate on my mind to convince me, but certain minds lie open in that direction, and to them a dream may be a power. God may use even superstition to accomplish his beneficent purposes. Many, besides Pilate, have been warned by dreams. Better still, Pilate was accessible through the dream of his wife. Henry Melville has a very wonderful discourse upon this topic in which he tries to show that probably if Pilate had dreamed this dream himself, it would not have been so operative upon him as when his wife dreamed it. He takes it as a supposition, which nobody can deny, that Pilate had an affectionate and tender wife who was very dear to him. The one brief narrative which we have of her certainly looks that way. It is evident that she loved her husband dearly and would therefore prevent his acting unjustly to Jesus. To send a warning by her was to reach Pilate's conscience through his affections. If his beloved wife was distressed, it would be sure to weigh heavily with him, for he would not have her trouble. He would fain shield his tender one from every breath of wind, and give her perfect comfort. And when she pleads, it is his delight to yield. It is therefore no small trouble to him that she is suffering, suffering so much as to send a message to him, suffering because of one who deserves her good opinion, one whom he himself knows to be without fault. If this lady was indeed the wife of Pilate's youth, tender and dearly beloved, and if she was gradually sickening before his eyes, her pale face would rise before his loving memory, and her words would have boundless power over him when she said, I have suffered many things in a dream. O Claudia Procula, if that were thy name, well did the Lord of mercy entrust his message to thy persuasive lips. For from thee it would come with tenfold influence. Tradition declares this lady to have been a Christian. 
and the Greek church have placed her in their calendar as a saint. For this we have no evidence. All that we know is that she was Pilate's wife and used her wifely influence to stay him from this crime. How often has a tender, suffering, loving woman exercised great power over a coarse, rough man? The all-wise one knows this, and hence he often speaks to sinful men by this influential agency. He converts one in a family, that she may be his missionary to the rest. Thus he speaks with something better than the tongues of men and of angels, for he uses love itself to be his orator. Affection has more might than eloquence. That is why, my friend, God sent you for a little while, that dear child who prattled to you about the Saviour. She is gone to heaven now, but the music of her little hymns rings in your ear even now. And her talk about Jesus and the angels is yet with you. She has been called home. But God sent her to you for a season to charm you to himself and win you to the right way. Thus, he bade you cease from sin and turn to Christ. And that dear mother of yours, who is now before the throne, do you remember what she said to you when she was dying? You have heard me a great many times, but you never heard a sermon from me like that address from her dying couch. You can never quite forget it or shake yourself free from its power. Beware how you trifle with it. To Pilate, his wife's message was God's ultimatum. He warned him never again, and even Jesus stood silent before him. Oh, my friend. To you it may be that your child, your mother, or your affectionate wife may be God's last messenger, the final effort of the warning angel to bring you to a better mind. A loving relative pleading with tears is often the forlorn hope of mercy. An attack so skillfully planned and wisely conducted may be regarded as the last assault of love upon a stubborn spirit. And after this, it will be left to its own devices. The selection of the wife was no doubt made by infinite wisdom and tenderness, that if possible, Pilate might be arrested in his career of crime and strengthened to the performance of an act of justice by which he would have avoided the most terrible of crimes. So then we may safely conclude that the Lord has his missionaries where the city missionary cannot enter. He sends the little children to sing and pray where the preacher is never heard. He moves the godly woman to proclaim the gospel by her lip and life where the Bible is not read. He sends a sweet girl to grow up and win a brother or a father where no other voice would be allowed to tell of Jesus and his love. We thank God it is so. It gives hope for the households of this godless city. It gives us hope, even for those for whom the Sabbath bell rings out in vain. They will hear, they must hear, these home preachers 
these messengers who tug at their hearts. Aye, and let me add that where God does not employ a dream nor use a wife, yet he can get at men's conscience by no visible means but by thoughts which come unbidden and abide upon the soul. Truths long buried suddenly rise up, and when the person is in the very act of sin, they are stopped in the way, as Balaam was when the angel met him. How often it has happened that conscience has met a guilty man, even in the moment when he meant to enjoy the pleasure bought with wrong, even as Elijah met Ahab at the gate of Naboth's vineyard. How the king starts back as he beholds the prophet. He would sooner have seen the very fiend than Elijah. Angrily he cries, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? Though indeed Elijah was his best friend, had he known it. Often does conscience pounce upon a man when the sweet morsel of sin has just been rolled under his tongue and he is sitting down to enjoy it. The visitation of conscience turns the stolen honey into bitterness and the forbidden joy into anguish. Conscience often lies like a lion in a thicket and when the sinner comes along the broad road it leaps upon him and for a while he is sorely put to it. The bad man is comparable to Leviathan, of whom we read that his scales are his pride, shut up together as with a close seal, so that the sword of him that layeth at him cannot hold, the spear, the dart, nor the javelin. And yet the Lord hath a way of coming at him and of sore wounding him. Let us therefore both hope and pray for the very worst of men. Brothers and sisters, use for the good of humanity anything which comes in your way. Use not only sober argument and sound doctrine, but even if a dream has touched your heart, do not hesitate to repeat it where it may have effect. Any weapon may be used in this war. But see to it that you do seek the souls of men, all of you. You who are wives should be especially stirred up to this sacred work. Remember Pilate's wife and think of her as affectionately giving the warning to her husband and go and do likewise. Never keep back from an ungodly husband the word which may convert him from the error of his ways. And you, dear children, you sisters, you of the gentler sort, do not hesitate in your own quiet way to be heralds for Jesus wherever your lot is cast. As for us all, let us take care that we use every occasion for repressing sin and creating holiness. Let us warn the ungodly at once, for perhaps the man to whom we are sent has not yet performed the fatal deed. Let us stand in the gap while yet there is space for repentance. Pilate is even now sitting on the judgment seat. Time is precious. Make haste, make haste 
ere yet he commits the deed of blood. Send the messenger to him. Stop him ere the deed is done. Even though he should complain of your interference, say to him, have nothing to do with this just person. For I have suffered many things because of him, and I pray thee, do nothing against him. That is our second point. God bless it. Although I cannot preach upon it as I would, the Spirit of God can put power into it. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.